Hello, I'm Tracy Carlton Ward and this is Sweat, Grit and Hustle. On today's show, I am with an absolutely brilliant gentleman. Uh, that is Matt Elwell. So he spent his entire career in sales and in the last 20 years has set up four businesses from scratch with nothing and they are all still going today. He's negotiated multi-million pound property deals. He's sold on the shop floor, over the phone, up with the big guys, everything. In 2018, one of the businesses he set up, he co-founded with our first guest speaker, Nick James, and that is the Elite Closing Academy. This is one gentleman whose nuggets you don't want to miss. He's the guy I call the king of closing, and that is the brilliant Matt Elwell. Matt, thank you for being here today with us. Thank you. I think I should be calling you the king of clothes. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Welcome. Uh, it's lovely to be here. Thank you. Yeah, been looking forward to this one. I, I have been through one of Matt's training sessions, learning how to close, be more effective with my sales in my own business. And I can tell you for now, if you if you are lacking in the sales side, this is the guy and the company to get in touch with. So, Matt, where did it all start for you? Well, uh, good question, really. I think, like most people, I didn't leave school with uh, the intention of becoming a salesperson. And I teach people to be professional salespeople now. Um, and actually, my trainings, as you know, are accredited because I believe that sales should be a professional accredited uh, profession. But when I was a kid, it wasn't. And I think, you know, if you were a bit like me and not brilliant at school, um, then it's kind of like a natural thing that you could get into. But the thing, Tracy, for me, really, was I've always been fascinated by human beings, uh, older people. I've always, like when I was a kid, always been interested in older humans, what I can learn. I've always loved human-to-human interaction, group sports. So I think I was probably selling from a very early age. Okay. So what was your first sales then? What kind of stuff were you doing at that early age? I started working on the milk brand when I was 11. And I've always, I come from a, a family background that believe in working. And um, yeah, I think at the age of like 12, I used to have the satchel on a Thursday and Friday and collect the money for the milkman. And there was an element of, of, uh, of definitely like the exchanging money and giving people change. I was only young. And um, the way he ran, John Webb was his name, little old fashioned. He used to have those fingerless gloves and the milk float. Um, but yeah, he used to give me the flow and the change. And, and I think I was just fascinated by the money and how it moved. And, and that, I think that was probably my first. There wasn't really like sales in it, but there was really because everything he sells, we sell ourselves all day, every day. Um, and if you're in business, like for me, if you can't sell or if you've got resistance to sales, then um, it's going to affect and impact your growth very quickly because, you know, how you sell is how you buy and, um, you know, how others buy off you will reflect the vibrations you're giving off as a human around sales. So, yeah, you've got to be aware of this all the time. Yeah, and I know I carried through some things from my corporate career. You know, the phone can get really heavy when you've got to make a sales call. And I think a lot of people in that position – but at the end of the day, one of the things I learned from you, which helped me literally like last year, because I went it on my own, started my own business uh, in property, um, and I had been teaching for somebody else, but I needed some nuggets from you that got me moving. And one of them is you are not selling. 
you are having a conversation and you know how to have a conversation. What's your problem? And that one has always stuck with me as great advice. So did have you always gone into business your, for yourself since leaving school or have you had some jobs in between other than the milkman stuff at the yeah, early age? Definitely. Um, you know, first job, a lot of insurance. Then I got a, a job selling uh, ladies' sanitary wear in Birmingham, which was, don't ask me what the heck <laughs> I was in. Um, but I had no training. I had no system, no process, no formula to sell, uh, no communication, no skills. I was basically like a lot of salespeople and a lot of entrepreneurs I meet. Um, nice person, great intention, young lad, trying to do my best. I haven't got a fucking clue what I was doing, to be honest. And, and the problem with that is that you fail a lot. And I listen to some of these gurus about, like, you know, go towards the no and go towards the yes and all that crap. I think it's crap. Like, what, what we need in sales is to have some certainty. So, like, my first job uh, in sales, I had no certainty. And I used to, like, literally, like, die. Uh, you know, people just used to eat me for lunch and tell me, no, I'm not interested, go away. And, like, that, it, it, it didn't happen to me for very long because I quickly realised that, like, I, I fear rejection as a human being. It's like I love people and I fear rejection from people. It's my personality profile. So I quickly worked out a little system and a process. And I'll share this with everybody uh, listening to this. The thing I learned... And it's still the number one mistake I've seen sales literally around the globe. I, I speak to people, see people on Zooms before COVID, like on planes all over the world, America, Switzerland, Holland, like mainland Europe. The number one thing that people do wrong when they're selling is talk. Yeah. People think to sell, you've got to be able to talk. And actually, it's the complete and utter opposite like, if you're having to explain how it all works, you're losing. If you're talking for more than 10 seconds, you've lost them. Um, it's, it's, it's ask, answer, ask, answer, ask, ask. Like you've got you to gotta, you gotta be able to, to ask questions and listen when you're selling. Uh, and I think that, that was such a big thing for me to learn. I learned it the hard way. And I teach it the easy way. Um, I've written about it the easy way. Um, I talk about it the easy way, but it took me a long time, a lot of pain as a young man, like knocking on doors. You go, hey, um, let me explain how my uh, sanctuary are going to help your people. No, I'm not interested. Uh, are you interested in us demonstrating? No, I'm not interested. It's like when you're telling people, and I see it everywhere I go, Charles, you must see. Like, you know, you've got a formula. You follow my my philosophy with the clothes. You, you've, you've been to my training. So you know... There's a time to explain at a high level, but the skill when you're selling is to ask and understand. Gather information before you decide. Never solve when you're selling. It's like selling is about asking and understanding and listening and deciding whether or not from the information you've got, you've got a product or service that can help them. And that's the time to stop selling and start closing. Fortunately for me, I learned it the hard way. Then I went into photocopying industry, which was which was pretty brutal. But, and it is a but, the owner of the company um, was committed. He's still a mentor of mine today. David Hodgson, he's 80, just turned 80, lives in the north of England, and I still keep in touch. But he believed in, in, in some training. So I got some decent training, even though 25 years ago, training wasn't really a thing. And that really inspired me, I think, to this day, you know, as a trainer. Uh, the number one piece of advice I'd give to everybody listening is, number one, 
and stop talking and explaining and start asking. And then secondly, educate yourself. Yeah. Learn things. And, and some of it is, you know, there's also a big element of practicing, not necessarily practicing with a live client, but if you go into a call and you've never practiced the technique, if you don't know the outcome you want, if you don't understand what Matt's saying about asking questions, then don't pick up the phone to a client because what Matt is talking about, this ability of asking a question and answering that question, it applies to any business, whether you're selling you being the best person to buy a vendor's property, whether you're selling uh, photocopiers to somebody or whether you're actually selling your business to somebody else to actually lend money to. As Matt says, if all you're doing is talking, 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 and we we have this a lot in my property group, Matt, they don't mm. understand why they're not closing people to fund some of their business. And half the time it's because they're explaining so much information. They're telling the person how to do it themselves. Why do they need to buy you if you've now told them how to do it themselves? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, look, I, I use the system and formula I teach today, the open with the close system, um, to, to close. My first property deal was a multi-seven-figure deal. It took me seven years to go cold to sold. Um, and each conversation, particularly for the, about the first four and a half, five years, was me selling asking, understanding, um, negotiating. And, and, and once we've done that and we understood their position, they understood my position, we've taken some of the big risks into account and also thought around them and through them and underneath them and over them, which is, by the way, how you should sell. You know, great, you know, great closers move slowly. Uh, great closers take their time to understand um, before putting together like, hey, here's, here's the offer. So everything that happens before the offer is selling. And <clears throat> if you're a negotiator in, in property, the, the first thing you've got to get really good at is gathering information. And here's the reason why, Tracy, because, and I do a lot of work with property investors <clears throat> all over the UK. I speak on property circuits. Um, I'm a property guy myself. And, and the thing is, is that and, until you understand the other person's point of view, until you understand what they would need to get from you to get a result. Uh, and the only way you can do that, by the way, is asking. So if you use assumption and presumption and you decide what they're thinking without ever finding out, at some point in the deal, there'll be a lack of trust. Um, so th this, is, this is the skill, is that selling and closing are two different skills. And, and the first thing you've got to do is, is understand that. The, the best example I've got of this, <coughs> I actually, I think, I can't remember whether you were uh, in London a couple of weeks ago. I said this on stage a couple of weeks back. If you go to uh, the doctors and you don't feel very well, when you walk through the door, they don't go, don't speak. People like you probably need a new heart. Let's get him off to heart surgery. Like, they don't do that. Um, the first thing they go is, go, right, what are the symptoms? How are you feeling? How long have you had it? What do I need to know? What are the what's been going on? Like who else is involved with the way you feel? Like what they're gathering information, they're testing, they're understanding, they're, they're looking to get in into here and here, your body and your mind to understand what's going on before they are diagnosed. Before they, hey, here's what, and even then they might go, look, I think we need to check this out. Let's go for an X-ray. Um, and like for property people, that might be a site visit, um, but you don't want to do the site visit 
before you know there's a problem that can be solved. So that, that's really, really important. Qualification inside is really important. So look, I think that, that analogy of going to the doctors is a great example of how you should sell. Yeah, it's perfect. And I was there in London when you went through it because at the end of the day, you know, it's got this title of selling, but like you say, selling is so much more. Part of it is being a consultant, understanding what your customer's problem is and are you in a space to promise to be able to solve that for them? If you can't, you're the wrong person. Do the great thing of refer them to somebody that can. And then you go through the process of you now know their problems, look at the diagnostics, decide what you can offer them. And at that point, you get into this closing space. But I think there's a lot of people out there, especially people starting new businesses. They're, they're, they're slightly afraid of it because they see it as this all big one encompassing thing. And even if they're doing stuff on the internet, you know, if they're selling on the internet, Matt, somebody set up, I don't know, an eBay or a Shopify account, do they still need to apply this understanding of who their customer is in order to sell online or is that not relevant to them? Well, look, around the globe, good question, around the globe, there's there's four things um, that are in every deal that's negotiated, every deal that's exchanged, which is what a close is an exchange. Like somebody's saying, I'll, I'll send you some money and they never send you anywhere. That's not a close. Like a, an exchange contract, money in the bank is a close. Four things exist, doesn't matter what you sell. Now, before I show, share them, you've also got to remember, there's what you call non-essential and essentials. So, you know, a non-essential is a holiday. A non-essential is a bathroom. A non-essential is a car. You're not going to die if you haven't got a new car. You're not going to die if you haven't got on holiday. You know, you might need a break, but you could go to the park for the weekend or something. So you, you've got to differentiate it. There are nuances, but the bottom line is um, four things exist, pain, urgency, need, and trust. Where those four things are in abundance, where those four things are there, that's, in my experience, that is, doesn't matter what you sell, that's the time um, to ask a closing question. Uh, and like, if you're on eBay, <coughs> you've got to go like, you know, what pains do I solve for others by what I'm selling? Or like, what, what do others get when they buy a product off me? There's got to be a reason. It's either got to be, um, you know, we move uh, away from pain and towards pleasure, but we move much more away from pain. So, so you know, it's like, what do I solve? What do others get when they work with me? Like, by buying this product, how does it help them? What result have they got? Humans buy results. So... Um, if there's pain, urgency, need, and trust, like urgent need to buy whatever it is that you're selling on eBay, um, you're going to find like, and they trust you that you're a that you're a professional salesperson, that you've got a process. It, you'll find a lot of these things happen a lot. It happens easier, a lot easier. Uh, and actually, if you sit there now going, okay, pain, urgency, need, trust. Think about any deal you've got on at the moment. Um, one of those things will be missing. Um, in a deal that doesn't go, doesn't close. And here's the words generally you know when it's missing. Normally a client will say, do you know what, this sounds great, but I need to have a think about it. Uh, or do you know what, sounds great, but it's not the right time. Or it sounds, I could see the value, um, but, I, I, you know, I've got to move some money around. Like when you hear the immortal, like, yes, but, that's when one of those four things is missing. And I'll tell you why I know this because the, tr the opposite is true. So when you are like convinced 
that the person, the product or the service or the thing that you're going to buy gets your result, solves your problem, gets rid of something that's been bothering you that needs to be sorted now. It's like critical to resolve now. That you believe you've got that need and you trust both parties. That Every time, that's when people do it. Every time. Yeah. That's brilliant. That, By the way, guys, if you've heard the odd bit of laughing in the background, do not panic. Uh, we're recording just around lunchtime and Matt sat in the office uh, down near Birmingham. And one of the values of the people that work in that office is bringing fun and energy to their day. Yeah. So all you could, uh, the, the laughing in the background is just a bunch of people bringing a bit of energy and fun to their day. So go try some of it yourself. We've got 23 staff. They're all having loads of fun and lunch. Me and you are having loads. <laughs> yeah, me and you are having a brunch here recording. So, <laughs> so, so if you're out there, guys, as Matt says, and your business doesn't necessarily have you on the phone with your client because maybe they buy online from you, then ask yourself, look at your product, ask yourself, who is this product aimed at and what problem do I solve? Because then you're doing the same consulting and diagnosing that you would if you were talking to them face-to-face. Is that the gist of it, Matt? Add to that as well. If you are, look, my biggest customer is a US digital marketing agency. They turn over 30 million US a year, right? Now, they, they create massive wealth and loads of opportunities that convert through automation and marketing and no human-to-human interaction. That's fine. Absolutely fine. Brilliant. They're amazing at it. And here's the key thing. They moved towards us because they realized that there was also a load of other humans in the pipeline that hadn't bought online that just needed, uh, just is a shit word, that needed a professional sales conversation, a few questions answered, to gain that additional certainty to then go back online and, and, and pick, you know, pick a bang, I'm in. So, so what I would always say to people is, look, of course we want to have automated uh, sales processes where we don't have to get involved. And that will get, there are some companies that are doing that amazingly. That will get you so far and, and brilliant, you know, brilliantly. It, my funnel, I have a sales funnel, I've got a book, as you know, and, yeah. and you can purchase the book. It's, it's a couple of quid for post and packaging. And then you get an email and then you can come to other trainings and all the rest of it. And that's all automated. Beautiful. We have some people click on the QR code and whatever else. On the other side of the funnel and the process, at every point, we look to add in some human-to-human interaction, some a voice note, a phone call, um, a, a selfie. I sent a selfie with that and closed a £30,000 contract. Selfie. It gone quiet. And like so It went quiet because, remember, if you're listening to this, if it's gone quiet, it's because you've gone quiet on them, not the other way around. So I'd gone quiet on them, so I sent myself like little contact points during the sale. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, I am absolutely convinced that the art of human-to-human interaction, communication, has been going down steadily for a few years. You know, our children are addicted to mine aren't, but that, you know, a lot of children are addicted to you know computers and 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 they've lost the the, the, the old-fashioned way is what is what people say. Now I'm sure there's many uh, plus sides to it as well, um, but definitely they're less competent. Like my children's peers are less competent than we were when we didn't have the distraction. We had to talk to people more, and I think in sales at some point. 
you've got to be prepared to come out from behind the computer screen. You've got to be prepared to come out and really serve those that want or need you. Because there are some people, I'm one of them, where I have to have some human interaction. Uh, I, I can buy like low items, you know, I, I don't do it very often, but I can buy low, low items. But if I'm buying something significant, like a proper purchase, a long-term purchase, um, a stock or a share or a building or um, a house or uh, a car or windows, from a, like something significant or a training program or coaching or a mentor, any of those things, I require human-to-human -human interaction. And you'll find that lots of other humans do. So I think number one, we have the human interaction in because we believe that the more connection there is, um, the more people can hear your voice, the more people can see your palms, hear you, feel you, touch you, see you, the more chance you've got of, 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 of gaining trust and understanding them. Ultimately, that's good for sales. And, and the second thing is um, there's just so much fear in the world around selling. And um, your voice is so powerful. It was a gift given to you um, for others. You don't need a voice. Um, but you can say in three or four sentences what could take somebody 10 emails to say and just take away somebody's fears and allay any concerns and allow them to effortlessly purchase your product just by adding that into your, your pipeline. And that, that to me is like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. If you. The higher the ticket of or the longer term that purchase relates to, the more you do want somebody human to be on the end of a phone with you or face-to-face. -face. So... Look at the call centres, Tracy. Yeah. Look at the infrastructure. But everybody listening to this is like, and fucking call centres. You just want to speak to a human being. And you go, you know, and you go to Tesco Express or something and the thing doesn't work. You're like, can someone just press the button so I can get me? And it's like, you know, I think we've, I believe, I honestly believe, I honestly believe that technology and its advances are incredible. And, and we should embrace it and continue to move towards whatever that looks like. And I honestly believe that human-to-human -human interaction is the number one thing that you have to have. Like your personality should be in the way you sell. Look, your tonality should be in your emails. Um, your humanity, your heart, your like... Your per yeah, your personal you should dwell all the way through your sales process. Like, and if it feels like it's rigid, and if it feels like it's just about logic and money, if it feels like you don't care, you'll get some people to, to buy, but you'll lose a lot in my opinion. So, yeah, for me, human-to-human um, -human interaction, the way we touch, feel, our senses, look, hear, listen, I, th I think all of those things, for me, when they come into play, and you connect with the other humans, I, I, I feel like that's when you're in power. And if you back that up with the sales process that enables uh, somebody that wants or needs what you do to effortlessly move towards you uh, and back it up with a, a professional sales skills so that you don't turn into a puddle around money and that you can overcome standard stalls like I need to ever think about it. When you've got that, uh, you've got heart and logic and skill uh, that you'll keep fear at back. 
Yeah, I agree. And I agree about the human to human interaction. And I think that obviously in the last year and a half with what the whole world's been through, I think that's even more prevalent now. So, um, so Matt, you've, you've done these sales jobs, you created a process, you're, you're now co-owner of an academy that helps people become elite closers. How did you get from where you were selling to being, you know, part owner of a, of a massive company teaching others to do it and an author yeah. uh, and speaking and teaching others how to do this. Where was the change for you from doing it to actually being there to educate others? Well, I think firstly, it's, it's a big question. It's multifaceted. But firstly, um, I learned how to serve, sell and close on a shop floor in a family business that started with virtually no cash at all. So I know what it's like to start a business from scratch. And look, what, what, I, what really frustrates me is one of the big mistakes I see with new entrepreneurs, new businesses, is they will regularly go, well, I've got to get a website and I've got to get a business card and I've got to be all over social media and I've got to have a funnel and I've got to have a brochure and all this kind of stuff. Um, and they're going to spend loads of money on stuff and, and they haven't got any customers yet. So I did it the other way around. I was like, look, I've got this tiny little business. It sells tiles and bathrooms. Uh, like, we haven't got a lot of customers. We've got a bit of a history, but it's kind of dormant. Like, who do we know right now that needs tiles and bathrooms? Like, I just got on the phone. Who do you know right now looking for tiles and bathrooms? Who do you know? Like, all the local connections, as much as I could, just creates a vibe, uh, creates some come towards energy. Started having conversations with people that were looking at changing their tiles or bathrooms. Uh, and, and then showing them some options and understanding them and letting them decide which option works for them. Um, so my advice to anyone listening to this, by the way, if you're just starting out, is find somebody that needs or wants what you do, have a conversation with them, decide whether you're a good match and whether you can solve problems or get them a result, make them a, a written proposal with some options, and then ask them a closing question and let them decide. Like literally and, and do that a few times until you've got some customers and some cash and then think about right okay so what else could I possibly do like how do I market my business how do I involve other people how do I grow but you've got to start with like find one close one find one close one find one close one find one close one, find one close one, find one close one. get your little system and process sorted build your confidence up get the right words phrases and statements that work for you that are natural that are in, you know, use my formula, but put your words, phrases, statements, and humanity in it. Find one, close one, find one, close one. And like, focus on nothing else but getting your client a result. Like, get them a result, then you'll get a result, and then the universe will get a result. It's like three wins. But focus on success for your client first. Just do that. And then once you've got some cash, like, once you've got some cash in that, then you can start to think about like, how else you do things. But that's my number one advice. So, look, I did that for 16 years. I went from naught to seven figures in four and a half years. Then had the crash. Uh, then did this sort of amazing property deal using my formula, 20-year um, rent with a big supermarket chain. And that actually gave me some freedom to decide what I really wanted to do. And uh, I'd always been in, uh, interested in coaching and training mainly through sport. Um, and I decided that in 2017 to leave my family business and to share what I know. And, and that's when I first decided to write a book. 
Um, so before I'd even started to teach this, I started to put the book together, the content of the book, not in, in detail, but just some ideas about selling. And the reason for that, my strongest reason, Tracy, was that during the recession of 08-09, which was a monster, by the way, mm. an absolute monster, global recession, um, I had to use every last people, piece of human-to-human -human interaction to stop emailing people, stop phoning people, following up, chasing up. I had to do everything I possibly could to get through that period of time uh, as a family business. And a lot of my competitors actually went bust during the time. And I guarantee uh, none of them would have done what we did, which was literally hardcore, ring people we know, like chase the dragon, who do you know right now that needs tiles and bathrooms that might possibly uh, want to speak to us? What's their name? Well, like we went and found the ones that were investing rather than focusing on the ones that weren't. Uh, and um, I, I wanted to share that. And in 2017, um, I started to put some, some of that into, into the book and then decided actually that I wanted to explore coaching and training. And my first um, client was a man that you know very well, Nick James, who's in the world of mentorship and coaching track. And that's how it all started. Brilliant. And what's next for Matt Elwell? Well, uh, great question. I mean, look, I, I believe the, in the power of now. So I believe that now is the end of the past and now is the start of the future. So I'm a big believer in, yeah, I think it would be stupid not to plan. And Nick James, my business partner, is a brilliant strategic planner and looks after the 20, 20 odd staff that we've got and the strategies that we've got. Truthfully, right here, right now, uh, as I breathe air now, um, my, my goal is to spread the word around the globe that there is another way of serving, selling, and closing that does not involve talking, explaining, not listening, not understanding, uh, pushy, persuasive hard, shitty little negotiating tactics. Like, there is another way. And my, I believe my, uh, my calling is to share it. And as you know, uh, the fact that I'm able to actually turn my passion into profit, <coughs> which like, I don't see this as work. I see this as, as existence. I see it as a duty to share. You know, I, I've just come off a call this morning with a wonderful human being who's really struggling with serving and selling and closing at the moment. Uh, just too much serving and not enough selling and closing. And, and you know, it was emotional. It, like We're talking about the whole of her life um, coming down to this moment of understanding this process because she's such a beautiful person. She serves uh, uh, unconditionally, and that's how you should serve, by the way, without condition. But she just forgets to sell at close, so she doesn't make any money. She's like a charity. So, you know, like, I, I know the, the work that we've just done together, I know she now could go away and go, hey, all I've got to do is continue to serve and add these little things, these little processes in that, that enable the client, the customer, the end user to take simple little steps along the journey and eventually invest in our coaching program. Um, to get them a better result. And, and, and that responsibility is the thing that I'm focusing on now um, to make sure that, that the way I deliver it is in order and sequence, 
to make sure that I do enough of these kind of things, podcasts and interviews and share, share like share the, the knowledge because, look, I know it's like, I'm an SME business owner myself, I'm entrepreneurial. Uh, and yes, you've got to be able to market and yes, you've got to have good operations. But in my opinion, the number one skill that you've got to have to be competition is to have a trusted sales process that feels natural and effortless um, and makes closing easy. Yeah, I love it. And I'm actually with you in a couple of months again. So when I first went through Matt's trainings, we it was literally the month after COVID started, so I was doing them online. So I'm finally going to come and take my live seat in a couple of months, Matt. Good. Well, so, forward to it. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. So before we go, I've got a couple of quick questions for you, uh, just quick fires. But firstly... How can people reach out to you? Your book's called Open With A Close by Matt Elwell. How can people connect with you or your company? Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks for asking. Look, the book, uh, you can buy it on Amazon. I think it's 11 or £12. Uh, or you can visit EliteClosingAcademy.com. And if you click on the link and give us your details, then um, you can get it for free. You just have to cover post and packaging. Um, my team will follow you up. They'll, you'll get some automated emails. And the reason is, is that books the start of a journey to become an elite at closing. And then we have other things, other trainings that are free, other trainings that are a few hundred quid. Uh, because my academy, my, my sort of 12-month program, that's, that's thousands. So um, please, eliteclosingacademy.com uh, and go there. If you want to learn how to close more sales, that's the starting point. Yeah, and if you're starting out in business or you're still a fledgling, I would say get the book. It will be invaluable if you've got a business where you need to pick up the phone, have a meeting, or do one-to-one closing with people. So, Matt, as we finish, a couple of... I just want to add in, if I may. Yeah, of course you can. That shout-out. My uh, top, absolute top uh, clients are also really established businesses uh, who, who are... Uh, doing really well. One of them was 9 million when I first met them. They're now going to be 16 million two years later by what's in my book, implemented into all of their staff. So um, like, even if you're an experienced salesperson, I have experienced salespeople from all over the world read this book and say, you know what? It's reinforced some stuff. It's challenged some stuff. It's given me some new stuff. So wherever you are on your journey, uh, there's enough in there to, to, to inspire at the very least. Absolutely. That's a brilliant point, Matt, because it isn't just for new businesses and, you know, it is just phenomenal. Just go get the book. It is brilliant. A um, couple of quick fire questions from you, if I may. Yes. Um, what's the most extravagant purchase you've ever bought from somebody? Um, I think, so I think probably a diamond ring for my wife. Yeah. A rata. And, um, Funny story about that. I walked into a diamond shop and um, my wife, just during the first part of COVID, turned 40. And um, we had we had decided that, or, you know, I decided, it was a surprise actually, that I wanted to invest in um, my wife's uh, 40th birthday. And we invited uh, 10 of our best friends, couples, uh, to our favourite hotel in the Cotswolds. And I wanted it to be a real special treat for everybody and wanted to have them picked up and all, all of that kind of stuff. So I got a budget for that. And, um, you know, I was really prepared to sort of go for it. Anyway, COVID 
uh, stopped it. So we couldn't do it, unfortunately. And then it was put back for a bit later on in the year, and COVID got us again. Uh, so twice, I'd kind of saved the amount of money, if you know what I mean, that I looked to invest. So we came to Christmas, and I thought, right, I've got, I've got this bit of cash that I was going to invest uh, in an experience. What can I buy that whether COVID comes or not is making a difference? So I thought, I'd love to get a, a really nice and really nice diamond. So I've got a bigger budget because I've got a budget for a diamond as well um, as part of our 14th, 13th wedding anniversary, I think it was. So I was going to get, long story short, my budget was happiness. So I walked through the door and the diamond uh, salesperson, a lovely person, but no skills at all, uh, got shitty patterns about money, <clears throat> nearly lost the sale. Um, I walked through the door, what's your budget? I said, well, hang on a sec. Um, firstly, my budget is happiness. Uh, what do you mean happiness? I said, that, that's my budget. Well, what does that mean? I said, well, I, I want to make my wife happy and we've missed out for 12 months. So that's my budget, happiness. Well, they didn't know what to fucking do with this. So uh, <laughs> then they took me to the thousand pound ring. Well, well, let me show you the bottom end stuff. You know, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Why don't you ask me a little bit about what I'm looking for first and I get a feel for it. So the whole experience didn't start well. But anyway, in the end, um, I picked three rings out with my eldest daughter. My wife was shopping. I said, look, come down. The middle ring was the middle fee. The, the one on the right was the most. I was hoping she didn't pick that one. And the one on the left was the least. But I got the staff members, because I know my wife works. She, she, she'd go for the level, like the, the smallest amount. She'd be like, oh, you can't spend that on a diamond ring. So I said, take all the tags off so that she doesn't know how much it is. Uh, so she comes in, she goes, well, I'm a child. I said, don't worry about that. Which one do you like? I'm thinking, please don't go for the one on the right. <laughs> the one in the middle. So um, it didn't quite uh, it didn't quite cost me as much as I thought it would do. But it wasn't a cost, it was an investment. And uh, yeah, it, it was, I suppose you could call it an extra extravagant thing, but I was very aware that it was a long-term purchase, that it'd stay in the family, hopefully for life and, uh, you know, beyond our lives as well. And and it's, I'm so, it was such a beautiful diamond that she chose. And, and it means so much to us. Um, it was worth every penny. Oh, it's such a beautiful story. I took my mum once shopping for, for, for clothing, like a really nice outfit. And I had to do the same. I had to make sure that the shop assistants took the tags off. Yeah. Um, otherwise, <laughs> it's like, you can't do that. No, yes, I, I can. As well. You know what? Um, I think my wedding day was probably the most extravagant thing because it's the biggest party I'd ever thrown. But again, I wouldn't change it for the world. And, and like, I know I could have done it differently. I could, if I'd have done it in the garden with my mates, I'd have still been amazing. But yeah, I think we just went for it and, and uh, I don't regret a, th a single thing. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. Um, so to close our show, I'm going to ask the question I ask everybody. Yeah. We're called Sweat, Grit and Hustle because there's an element of all of it in business. Yeah. Um, which one resonates with you and why? I think, if I'm honest, probably sweat. Uh, number one reason is that I'm sweat. I've got far too <laughs> much. Um, but I think, I think the reason being is that underneath every great business, there has to be a purpose. And, and working towards a purpose, uh, and purposes can, can be flexible and move, but I, I think it requires real sweat and grit and determination and somebodiness and focus to maintain 
the hard work to move towards your purpose because look, the bottom line is if you if you were listening to this and you think like who are the top three people in business you admire the most, I can guarantee you they work hard. Yeah. Like financial freedom's box doesn't mean anything. Like, you know, all the people I know that are financially free work. You know, my, my business partner and I, um, like we we work and toil and sweat hard because selling is hard work, closing is easy. We always celebrate our successes, but the bottom line is, to be on purpose, you've got to put the you've got to put the effort in. And I think there is definitely a myth that you know you can have this sort of uh, champagne lifestyle, the David Lloyd lifestyle, and you know what you can. But it, I, I'm yet to see a purposeful person doing very little all day. Yeah. Uh, I tend to agree with you. Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure as it always is listening to you speak and I am looking forward to being there live on the three day in a couple of months. Thank you so much. See you soon. To keep up with what we're doing and what's coming on Sweat, Grit and Hustle, do visit us at www.sweatgrithustle.com.